0: Again, we are thankful for your presence tonight, and we hope you've had a good day, and that things have been good for you. I hope you had a good Father's Day with your family and uh, had family time and and remembering and celebrating our fathers. We want tonight to continue in our study of God. I want to kind of turn the tables just a little bit and and go into some questions about God. And I want us to spend, I don't know, the next uh, few weeks on some questions concerning God. I don't know how long it will take. um, But just the next few weeks and we'll finish this uh, series up concerning God. And... I hope that it will, again, enrich our knowledge, our understanding about the characteristics of God, <clears throat> and sometimes the questions that we hear from the world uh, concerning God and things that he does or things that he does not do or chooses not to do. So again, our intent with this series is to give us a better understanding of who God is and a view uh, toward taking Him more seriously. Uh, we have established through this series that we want to take God as serious, uh, serious matter and giving Him the reference or the reference, reverence rather, until uh, I've been working on my masters because uh, I have to reference everything and cite it. Uh, but we want to do reverence um, that He deserves. Well, uh, we've established who he is, including that Jesus last week <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit are both God. So what remains is to make some application and answer some questions often presented presented about, about Him. And we want to examine some questions about God and man and how God works today. And what should our response be to him uh, or be to the things that we learn concerning God? The question tonight that I want to propose to you is why does God allow evil? Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard that a lot of people ask that question. If God can take and do all the things that we say he can do, and we most certainly believe that, create a world, create everything that's in it, the all-knowing God, the all-present God, his sovereignty and all these things that we say, why does God allow such evil in the world? I think, first of all, we have to make sure that it's clear that God does not commit evil. God does, nor does he tempt us with evil. In your scripture reading just a moment ago in James chapter 1, and starting in verse 12, it speaks to that note. Blessed is he that endureth temptation, for when he is tried or have been approved, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now notice what it says there in the next verse. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Then it gives us a description of when temptation and uh, sin is born. It says, Every man is tempted, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished or full grown, bringeth forth death. James writes, He says, Do not err. Be not deceived, my beloved brethren. So let it be clear from the very beginning that God does not commit evil, nor does he tempt us with evil. In fact, we can say tonight without any reservation that God hates evil in every form. Basically, we can say evil cannot even approach him. In the book of 1 John, chapter 1 and verse 5, you're very familiar with this passage. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So as evil exists in this world, why does God allow it? If God cannot be tempted with it, he cannot approach it, he cannot be around him, and that he is light. He is opposite of the darkness. Why is it? First, we need to say and establish that we are not in this study questioning the power of God. But God has the ability, if he should choose to, to stop evil. And is in control Of all things. God could have prevented all evil in one of three ways, if He so chooses. God could intervene in every time evil occurs. But notice what that brings forth. If God should intervene in every time evil occurs, in so doing of those things he would be enabling those who do evil because there is no consequence. If God should stop that evil uh, whatever there would be no consequence. There would never be any ending to that evil to someone to say this is your consequence for committing this evil act. Secondly, God could remove those things or remove those, rather, who commit the evil. But now think about this. If God so chose to do that, to remove those who commit the evil, who then would be left of mankind? Are we not all guilty of sin? Now think about that. If God chose to remove those who committed evil, he would have to remove what? All of mankind. Who would be left? Thirdly, God could uh, choose to prevent evil in the way that he could have made us all that we could not sin. But this would make us all children of Abraham out of stones. Matthew 3 and verse 9. Such would remove what we have taught and seen through the years of free will and make our service to him a mere patron, uh, patronization. Your tongue ever get wrapped around your eye tooth? Patronization. So these are not what God wanted. Instead, God created a real world with real choices and real consequences as with all of these things from God this is the best option as we shall see understand the origin of evil now we mentioned that the other night where does evil come from well evil comes and it came from Satan didn't it today Evil still comes from Satan, but man chooses to partake in those evil things. So what is evil? Have you ever really thought about how to define the word evil? What is evil? A couple of uh, definitions I have found, and, and it seems to explain it this way. Evil is a discord or disturbance in the order of the universe. And it's found in these two ways, these two forms. There's such thing as natural evil is whatever destroys or uh, any way disturbs the perfection of natural beings such as blindness and diseases and death, etc., Or moral evil is the disagreement between the actions of a moral agent and the rule of those things, whatever it be. So you've got two different types. A natural evil, and then you have the moral evil. Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines it this way. As a force that opposes God and his work of righteousness in the world. So evil has been described, if you will, as the absence of good. Now when you really get down to defining these things and taking your time and really processing what we're talking about. It really puts a whole new light, it has for me in this study, a whole new light concerning what good and evil is. You know, we often would just say, well, evil's Satan, evil's bad, evil's this. But when you really define them and you really study them, you really find out, uh, like the one, dic- the, uh, the one uh, dictionary and the one uh, definition of it being moral and natural. But evil has been described as the absence of good by many. Really, in the same way that darkness is the absence of light. That's very simple for us to understand, isn't it? When things, if we should turn off all the lights in this auditorium, we would most certainly say that we are in darkness. Should we add light back to that, the light overcomes the darkness. So therefore, when you have good and evil, you can say that the evil can either overcome the good or the good can either overcome the evil. So then there you see how the world is made up of of evil, but not by God's choice. If you remember back when God created this world, it was good, wasn't it? In the book of Genesis in chapter 1, six times in Genesis chapter 1, we read the phrase God saw that it was good. Six times. And in verse 31 of that chapter, we read these words and the Bible says, Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So when God first created this world that we live in today and all the things that are in the world, everything was good. Everything was in the light, if you will, with no darkness concerning and, and making a connection to sin. Everything was good. There was no such thing as sin. There was no such thing as evil. But then we know the rest of the story, don't we? Satan was introduced, and he introduced that which is not good, and that being evil. He introduced that to the world. Now, when you look into the book of Genesis again, on over in chapter 3, we see this event, don't we? And we're very familiar with it. But in Genesis chapter (coughs) 3, excuse me, in verses 1 through 7, we see what I call, and I have it noted in my Bible, the saddest chapter in the Bible. Satan opened the door for men to be lost. That's now how God created it from the very beginning. But notice this. Notice the description of this evil. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you even touch it. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall surely not die. For God doth not know that in the day that you eat of that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Satan introduced that which is not good. He opened the door for mankind from then on to be lost. Again, one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. And you know, Satan knows scripture. We can have evidence of that where he's quoted it many times, don't we? And Satan just changed one word there. Ye shall, what? Not. God says, ye shall surely die. And Satan just added one word and says, You shall not surely die. You see, that's how subtle, evil, and Satan is. So when Satan he tempted Eve and Adam, but it was man. Now notice this. Remember, go back, Genesis chapter 1. Everything that God had created was what? Good. And very good. No evil. Nothing that was bad. And now we have the situation in Genesis 3. But it was man who chose to accept it. And evil exists today. Because man continues to what? Accept it. Why does evil exist? I think it's very clear. It's very clear in our study. When you go to the book of Romans in chapter five, in the book of Romans in chapter five, starting in verse uh, 12, The Bible says to us, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come but not as the offense so also as the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sin so is the gift for the judgment it was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Now watch it. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Much more they uh, which received abundance of grace and of the uh, gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, or through one trespass, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, or through the act of righteousness, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as, for as by one man's disobedience, notice it, many were made Sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous, which is through Christ. You see, we see the grace of Jesus abounds. And we see that what man received from Adam. in this this passage, which is the negative, the evil part, but we also see the positive side of that, of what we receive through Christ. You see the reigns of sin and grace in verse 19, by many. And you know that I think it's interesting that chapter 6 starts off the way it does, basically saying we're to be dead to sin and alive to God. So with all that said, <clears throat> they sin as a result this world as they sinned in the Garden of Eden, and as a result of that, the world is cursed. Folks, Tonight, this is what we inherit from Adam. The consequences of sin. Not his sins, but the consequences of sins. No one inherits the sin of anybody, per se, as some would teach with babies. But we inherit the consequence of sin. So again, the question still remains, so why does evil exist? Because God allows it to exist. But with reason. And because man chooses to sin. Evil continues to exist because man continues to accept it. And when you go and you read John chapter 3 and verse 19... Says that men loved darkness rather than what? Light. You see, mankind loves sin. It's those lust desires that we have, those things that, that make us feel good, and those things that, that, uh, that make us pride, proud, prideful, and those types of things. You know, when I think about that, I think about what they say this month represents, Pride Month for all the homosexuals. You know, I was in Walmart just the other day, and <clears throat> we were doing some shopping, and, and y'all know I love Oreos. The double stuff, triple stuff, single stuff, it don't matter. But they had a whole section of Oreos. <laughs> they had changed the packaging of the normal blue Oreo to all these rainbows and everything else and, and had a phrase on there, something we're celebrating, pride, or something that. I told my wife and family, I said, I'm never eating another Oreo. You know what they said? I don't believe you. But that just turned my stomach. Why does evil exist? Because man chooses to still accept evil. And to participate in evil and sin. That's why God allows it to exist. God, it was not God's plan from the very beginning, if you remember, and in the very beginning of our study. But man chooses to sin. And man continues to accept it. And he loves the darkness rather than light. So again, so why does evil exist? Because man is a free moral agent. You've heard that taught. And I believe that it's important that we who are old and are young to understand this thought. Remember in the very beginning when I spoke of the physical, the moral, and the physical part of evil? If there were no evil, either moral or physical, in this world, we would not have choice. But most certainly there is, and we have a choice. And every man in time faces that choice. And every man and woman and mankind must choose between right and what's wrong. And as I, and young people, as I, as I have taught through the years and I've always said, you can't make something wrong right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You can't make things that are wrong right. I don't care how much you paint it or how much you embrace it, or how much you promote it, or how much you do this or do that, you cannot make things wrong right. God has set the standard for what is right and wrong from the spiritual side and, two from the moral side. And we most certainly know What's right and wrong? Now we live in a world who what? Tries to make things that are bad, who are wrong, that are evil, good, don't they? The Bible speaks of that. In biblical times, back in the Old Testament, they've done the same thing. Calling things that were evil, good, and things that were good, evil. We're living in those times Again. But because man is a free moral agent, we have choice. And we must choose between right and wrong. We've already noted in this study that we could, that he could have created us without the ability or need to make choices. But when God created man, he wanted someone who would serve him Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He wanted one who would truly love him and not by force. In the book of 1 John, in chapter 4, and verse 19, the Bible says to us, We love him because he first loved us. You see, it's that simple. God created us. He wanted someone to love him, again, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Someone that would truly love him. And in the book of 1 Peter, in chapter 1, in verses 6-8, uh, through 8, the scripture reads, and the Bible says to us, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through the manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom thou ye see him not. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wanted one who truly loved him. You see, that is why that in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gave them a choice with consequences based upon the choice he made. And the choice has continued to this day with every person of accountable age. There's that term again, accountable age. We talk about that when we talk about young people becoming to an accountable age of knowing what is right and wrong, being able to make a choice between what's right and what's wrong and understanding that it's wrong, certain things. But again, it continues today. Those choices. Since the garden, the Bible has continually offered man the choice. He's had two choices. A choice to obey God or disobey Him. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. He's, Joshua said, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. He told the people, choose this day whom you serve. 1 Kings 18 and 21. Elijah says, How long will you be between or falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. And being free moral agents will determine, and we need to understand this. Being free moral agents, having choice whether to do right or wrong, will most certainly determine our destiny. Our destiny at the end of this life as we know it will be chosen because of our choices. It's been often said that if you and I, do, if we miss heaven, if we don't get to go to heaven, it'll be our own fault because we chose not to do what's right. We're going to stop right there tonight with that thought, choosing what's doing, what's right and what's wrong. If we miss heaven, that wonderful place called heaven, It'll be our own choosing, our own choice, because we're free moral agents. You made a choice today to come back tonight. You made a choice to come this morning to Bible class and to to, uh, worship. You chose that of all the things of the world that you could be doing. It's all about choices. When you're put in these positions of do I partake in this activity and you look at it, everybody goes through this process. You go through the process, okay, a young person, they're out on a date and they're alone or they're whatever. And they say, boy, my fleshly desires tells me to do this and we didn't talk tonight about the conscience but conscience controls a lot of this if it's a well-trained conscience and then that person will say no my conscience says no I can't do this I can't commit this great sin against God. And then the fleshly side says, well, yes, it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll feel good, and it'll make you this way and this way and this way. We could put this to drugs. We could put this to anything. And then there's a war back and forth. Do I make a choice to do good, or do I make a choice to do bad, to do evil? In our scripture reading tonight in James chapter 1, it says a man is drawn away by his own lust, and when he's enticed, and when that sin is, and when it has come and full grown, that sin is born, it's too late. That sin's there. And that's why we have to understand that we are free moral agents. God could zap all the evil out of the world he wanted to, but he chooses not to. Because he wants people to love him, not because they have to, because they want to. They want, he wants people to do good. He wants, pe- he wants you to not do evil, to put him first because you love him, not because you have to. If he wanted to, he can make you. But that's not God's character. So tonight, maybe you've been missing some of those things and evil has overcame you. And maybe you need to repent of those sins. Maybe you need to become a Christian tonight. You're at the age of accountability. And you understand that you you know right and wrong. And you know that you've sinned. and, And you know that you need to be baptized for remission of your sins. We encourage you to do that. Let us help you with that. And start your walk with the Lord. Maybe you need just prayers. We encourage you. Let us pray for you and pray with you. Whatever we can do tonight to assist you, please come. Together we stand as we sing.